Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message from Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us on the web at vinelife.com or read our blog at inthecurrent.net. I get to uh, I get another chance to speak again. I'm up to bat. Um, the guys are gracious enough to let me have another hit of the pinata today. So that's what we're going to do. And uh, if you were with us last week, uh, I just started talking about um, the idea of us being a covenant community. And essentially the big idea was that God, uh, his covenant from the beginning of time was to make us into his people, to make for himself a people. And so that same covenant that makes us his people um, also puts us in relationship with God's people. And so we in turn covenant to be his people. And so that's what uh, that's what's happening here. You look around the room, you look at the person to your left and to your right. Um, this is what Jesus died for. This is his body and his bride. And really, this whole, this whole sermon and this, this conversation fits in a broader context of what we've been talking about all year. And we really believe that, um, that the Lord has really just pinpointed the idea of family, that we are the family of God. And we spent a lot of time talking about the Father, and we're going to still talk about the Father. We're going to talk about the family and family dynamics. And I just want to continue on where we were last week, talking about covenant relationships. You know, we've talked about covenant with God, um, covenant with, you know, a handful of people in our lives that are that we've opened up to, that we trust, and then covenant with a body of believers. And I just want to uh, just zero in a little bit more to a, three, a few facets of what covenant community could look like. Um, and we could call these family dynamics. Um, as, as you do in your house, um, we kind of do the same in, in this house. In your home, you have to pay attention to your family dynamics, yeah? You pay attention to the attitudes, to the tones, to the, to the fruit that is, is being nurtured in your house, and then it's your job to, to essentially decide what do you want to be in that house, what needs to leave, what needs to come, and wh- how are we going to treat each other what is the environment and the culture that we're going to foster in this home? It's no different here in the family of God and the house of God. We are fostering a culture here. And we have to be very specific about the dynamics of that culture. Now, that's a very huge conversation, but for today, I'm just going to highlight a few things. I want to talk about trust. I want to talk about safety. And then I want to talk about honor. Does that sound like a plan? Awesome. So, um, in my study in, in all this, I, I found it almost impossible to talk about community unless we first start with the first biblical model for community. And uh, sometimes we jump straight to Acts 2 and talk about the, the, the disciples and the believers sharing everything, and that's, that's awesome. But there's even something before that. There's something right at the beginning. But um, really, it all starts with God. And what I mean by that is that God is a triune God. We worship one God expressed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, okay? And it's impossible to read through the Scripture without seeing them all interacting and, and sharing and loving each other and always pointing to each other. I, I could go through tons of examples. I'm going to give you just a couple, um, and I, I don't expect you to turn here because I'm going to speak very quickly. Uh, John 15, 26 to 27, he says, Jesus is talking. Here's what he says. But when the Helper comes, who's the Helper? Holy Spirit. 
whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. Then we skip forward a chapter, John 16, uh, verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, uh, uh, therefore, I said he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And so uh, Jesus, in just two fractions of Scripture... Essentially, says, hey, there's a spirit coming. He's coming from the Father. What he's going to come to do is he's going to tell you about me. So I'm going to tell the Father to send the spirit to you to tell you about me. And then not only that, but he's going to come. He's not going to speak of his own accord, but he's only going to speak what the Father's hearing. And he's going to declare to you everything that the Father has given me because everything that the Son has is because the Father has given it to him. So everything the Spirit declares to you is because the Father loves the Son and I love the Father. Did you get that? Okay, so in case anybody's mistaken at this point in time, they're really into each other. Okay? They really love each other. Look at Timothy Keller says it, says it like this. Each person of the Trinity loves, adores, defers to, and rejoices in the others. That creates a dynamic, pulsating dance of joy and love. C.S. Lewis said that too. It's like the Trinity is like this dance. And we see this anytime we interact with the father, the father is always like, no, 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 no. This is my son. This is my beloved son. Can we just talk about him for a little bit? I love my son. I'm sending you my son because you need my son. And the spirit's coming from the father. And then, and then you, then you, uh, you look at Jesus. And what does Jesus want to talk about? He's just talking about his dad. I do nothing of my own accord. I, I can't do anything except that my father uh, gives it to me. And, 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 and not only that, but I got to go because I want to send you the Holy Spirit because he is your counselor. He's going to lead you into all truth. And so anytime you get, get a chance with Jesus, he's going to talk about the father because he loves the father and everything the father has is his as well. And then same thing with the spirit. The spirit is the expression of the father. He speaks what the father's speaking. And when he shows up in the room, all he wants to talk about is Jesus. And so when the Holy Spirit shows up in the room, even here today, it's not just so we have a tingly feeling on the back of our neck. He's coming to exalt and glorify the name of Jesus and speak to you the voice of the Father into your life. You see how that works? It's unreal. There's this unbelievable deference and submission and and oneness. It is one God. Three expressions of one God. It's not three Godheads. It's not like they, we worship three gods. We worship one of same substance, of same essence, and three expressions, the Father and the Son and the Spirit, and they all love each other. They all trust each other. They're all safe with each other. They're all about each other. And they really, they, they've just decided it's better that they tag team everything together. You will never find them doing something by themselves. Never. I mean, they're always talking about each other. It's just clear right here. And so, um, because of that, you will never see among the Godhead competition when you see Jesus interacting with the Father and the Spirit. There's no competition. There's no power struggle. There's no self-promotion. There's no suspicion. There's no fear. They're perfectly given to each other. The Trinity is essentially our first model of what community should look like. And so we go back to Genesis. You go back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis 1. And here's what it says. Genesis 1.26. Again, 
I'm going to read this really quick. By the time you get here, I'm going to be done with it. Here's what it says. God's creating everything. He's creating man. Here's what he says. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Say it again. Let who? Us make man in what? Our image. After our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That last little part's just a little redundant if you ask me. Um, they could have just said, you have dominion over the creeps. That would have done fine. <laughs> let us make man in our image. Who is us? Nobody else exists. Who is us? God, it's the Trinity. It's the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Let us make man in our image. That's the only reason he's using plural here. And so what does that mean? If the Adam was made in the image of God and the likeness of God, that in the same, same way, you and I are wired in our DNA, in our makeup, we are wired to know what it means to be loved and to love. We are wired to know what it means to be known and to know each other. Um, we are wired to, to, to be able to trust and to be trusted, to feel safe and to provide safety, to honor and to be honored. That's, that's what's inside of us. That's how God created us. And so, so we see Adam here in the garden in the, in the likeness of God, and God says, it's not good that you're alone. I'm sending somebody else to be with you. Because just as God had, is in his own community in and of himself, he said, I, Adam, it's not good that you're alone. I'm sending somebody with you. And so God, in the very beginning, makes it very clear um, that we are wired for intimacy. We're wired to be known. We're wired to receive intimacy, not only from God, but from loving relationships. That's how he wired us. That's what, that's what he intended from the very beginning. And he said it's good. And so Everyone is safe here at this point in time. And so you see Adam and Eve, they're so safe and so trusting that they're naked and they have no idea. No idea. I mean, don't raise your hand here, but how many of you just know when you're naked? There's just no question. Like, when I'm naked, that's all I'm thinking about at that time is I am naked right now and I need to not be naked. The same is true for you. Don't, don't laugh at me. We are unbelievably aware of how naked we are, okay? They are naked and they don't know it. It just didn't even cross them. It's just so natural to be vulnerable and to be exposed and such is the relationship that they have. I really apologize if that ruined the rest of the talk for you, if you're looking around the room. and um, We crave intimacy and we see this in a lot of different ways. Um, one easy way to see this, um, if you're still not convinced, um, go on, go on your computer, when you get home, look up Facebook.com and read it for about 30 seconds. Uh, you'll see roughly 30 seconds of mostly obscure and a lot of useless information about people that you care about. But we see even on social media sites how there's this sense of we live in a culture where everybody wants to be known. Now, I can't be too hard on Facebook. I love Facebook. Um, but it is so true that we volunteer bits and pieces of information about who we are because there's something about us. I want people to, to know where I land on this. I want people to know where I, how I feel about this. I want, to know, I want everybody to know where, what I think about this. And it's this craving to be known. And, and I'll say this as well. Um, the enemy knows this about us. The enemy knows that we were created for intimacy. I know that word freaks out all the men in the room. We're created for intimacy. And he knows that. And so there's a counterfeit to intimacy. And it's called addiction. 
Because what addiction is, it's man's attempt to have an intimate relationship with something he can control. Something he feels like he can control. So if I can be in charge of something guaranteed to bring me even a fleeting amount of pleasure, it's just an imitation. And so we see this with with alcohol, with drugs, with sex and pornography, with food, uh, addiction to approval, all these things, what are they? Um, They're an imitation of an intimate relationship. I'm going to imitate love in my very physiology. That's what that's about. And so God designed us to receive intimacy, not only from him, but from loving relationships. And we try to imitate that in their physiology. And so we look at America as the land of the free, but the land of the free is filled with those who are addicted and craving deeper relationship, not only with God, but with people that know them very well. That's how you and I are designed. We're designed to be known. And so we see Adam and Eve here in the garden. One of the first building blocks of just relationships, deep-spirited relationships that we're talking about, that we're cultivating here, this idea of trust. And, and Adam and Eve are here. They're naked. Things are good. God says everything is good. They're looking at each other, enjoying each other. And that lasts all of the, what, 15 seconds, right? Then we get to chapter 3. It says a crafty serpent came along. I mean, that serpent is the enemy of our souls, he comes along and he asks Eve a couple seemingly simple questions. He says, um, you know, so, okay, um, you think, did God really tell you not to eat from that tree? Do you think maybe he's holding out on you a little bit? Do you think maybe he just doesn't want you to be like him? You know, and we read that and we're like, Eve, don't do it. Don't do it. You're already like him. And here's the enemy promising her, you do what I say and you can be like God. How often does he do that to us? He promises things that are already ours. The first thing he does is he attacks trust because he knows that if he can get us to not trust each other, not trust God, but even trust each other, then he can introduce his kingdom. His kingdom breeds competition, it breeds suspicion, it breeds fear, it breeds distance, it breeds isolation. He can eliminate trust and he gets us all fighting on our own. Because where there is no trust, if I don't feel like I can trust you, um, then I'm going to switch into save my life mode. And in save my life mode, uh, we know the scripture, there's only really one guarantee when we're operating out of save my life mode. And what is that? You're going to lose it. And so that bite from the fruit was a bite of fear. That lie was to, uh, to a direct assault against trust. And trust is like the first building block for deeper relationships. We have to learn how to trust each other. And we have to anticipate that that's what the enemy loves to do. He loves to eliminate trust. He loves to bring speculation. And hey, what did they mean by that? Did you hear what he said to me? What did he even mean by that? When she did that, what was that all? She did that on purpose. Those types of thoughts. He loves that. Because it gets us working on our own. And that's why one of our relational values here, in our list of relational values, one of those is called believing the best. If you're a part of the Vine Life community, what we're just committing to do for each other um, 
we want to believe, we're just committing as a house, we're going to believe the best about each other. It's a safeguard against the attack of the enemy who would want to attack trust. And you do that in your homes, but we do that for each other. Like, hey, listen, I don't, you know, when we're alone and, and the enemy wants to bring those thoughts, we can always come back to, hey, I am going to protect my heart here. I'm not going to give myself into speculation. I'm going to choose to believe the best about my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm going to choose to believe the best. But all these things now, maybe it ends up, maybe it is you know, true that there's something there. We need to work that out. But on this end of things, I'm choosing to believe the best about each other. That's what we're doing for each other. That's part of being a covenant community. And what that does for us um, is it creates safety. Because trust creates safety. And when there is no trust, there is no safety. When trust leaves the room, fear enters the room. And when Adam and Eve took a bite from that fruit, what's the first thing that happened? They're standing next to each other. Hey, you feel that breeze? Oh, dear God, I am naked. That's exactly what happened. The first thing that happened, it says their eyes are open, First thought, first time it's ever even crossed their minds, I am naked right now, I must do something about it. Something told them on the inside, this needs to change. It's not okay for me to be this exposed and this vulnerable. So I need to hide. So what do they do? They get clothes. They hide from God. They hide from each other. Safety is such an important part of relations. That's the only way that we can, we can uh, really uh, honor each other at a very deep level. And we'll talk about that in a second. But safety... Um, is something that we have to cultivate here, not only in our homes, but uh, as a community. And it comes through listening and understanding and hearing each other. It's something that you've been doing since you were a baby. You've been assessing every environment you've been in to, to find out if it's a safe environment. That's what babies do, right? They, they know that if I cry and somebody answers me, they hear me, they understand my needs, um, then this is a safe environment. And then the, the, the flip side is true as well. It's not safe if... If I'm expressing my needs and, and bearing my soul and, and you know, expressing what I feel, and, and nobody's hearing me and nobody understands. And so it's created a lot of weird dynamics because some of us are not quite sure what to feel all the time, both in the house and in the church. And we see this two ways. Here's how we handle not feeling safe. Um, if I don't feel safe with you, then I'm not going to bring up those deeper things, what I'm going to do is I'm going to avoid it altogether. And you know this, you can, you can, uh, you can see this because even in those relationships, you, you just start to pay attention to the conversations. When you're avoiding things, you realize the conversation is all about just the facts, right? Maybe that's with your spouse. Maybe you don't feel safe to tell them how you really feel because they don't know if they're going to hear you. So you look at your conversations and you're just talking information, Right? Hey, what time are you going to work tomorrow? Nine? Taking the car? No, I'm taking Highlander. What are we having for dinner? Lasagna. Made it with turkey this time. Should be different. Hey, the internet's down again. Internet's down again? I I guess I should fix the internet. Just the facts. I'm not going much deeper than that because I'm not sure I can trust you if I bear my soul in front of you. I'm not sure that you actually hear me and listen to me. And then there's a flip side. So that's the avoidance side. The other side, we see this all the time too. And I, I don't, I'm not sure any of us escape this. This is what I call the tomahawk missile side. 
Um, when it comes time, and it's time, I need to say how I feel, I need to do this. When we don't feel like we're going to be heard, when we don't feel like we're going to be understood, then what are we doing? We're expecting a fight. And so if I'm expecting a fight, I'm going to approach this conversation with an arsenal of tools. It's going to be good. Right? I got something to say. And I'm expecting a fight, so what I'm going to do, I'm, I'm turning this into a trial, right? I'm pulling out the case, my main points, expert witnesses. You are going down. I'm coming in loaded. Right? And here's what happens with that. We, we do that. We expect to get into it, and then the entire message gets lost in the encounter, and we don't even know what we're talking about after a while because everything is so built up and so built down. We're expecting to have to break down walls. We're not expecting to have an open door for conversation. And so it's almost like, you know, you have something you need to say. So it's like writing it on a post-it note, taping it to a tomahawk missile. And then when that moment comes, ah, you know, whatever was on that post-it note just got annihilated in the explosion along with probably a couple other casualties along the way. And you know what I'm talking about. Don't pretend like you don't know what I'm talking about. We prepare ourselves for those types of encounters. We prepare ourselves for people to be defended and for us to have to, to work. So it really catches us off guard when we have that conversation. And, um, hey, how are you feeling? And we hear each other. What? You're listening? Like, I don't have to go through my list of arguments now? No. We love you. And I think here's one of the main things with that. We have to reassure each other. This is part of covenant relationship. We have to reassure each other that you and I are not the enemy. We have another enemy. And we have the same enemy. Not only that, but your enemy is my enemy because I'm committed to you. When we declare that over each other, hey, listen, your enemy is my enemy, so let's find out what that is and let's go after it together. Do you know what that does? You know what kind of safety that creates? It's unbelievable, and that's, that's what we need. And that's, those are the types of relationships we have to nurture. And so the people that are closest to you in your life, do they feel safe with you? I, I, I get this wrong a lot, I'll just be honest. I mean, I spend a lot of time reacting and, and lashing out or, or whatever. And the Lord's been working on me with that. And I need to let my eardrums vibrate more than my vocal cords. I need to listen. To trust breeds safety. And, and I think what happens when we have a community where we're safe with each other, we can bear our souls in front of each other. You know, we're not always going to agree. That's not what it's about. But it's about is there safety in the disagreement? That's an important thing, yeah? So to be able to trust each other, to be safe with each other, when those two, two things come together, I think what that does is it, gives us opportunity to honor each other, relationships of honor. There's no competition here. That we're for each other. So no, I can look at you and affirm who you are in Christ. Romans 12, verse 9 says this, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. When we are seen, when we're, when we're seen for who we are, when we expose each other, it gives us a chance to be honored with, with that. Um, there's something about when we're hidden and somebody says, I love you, there's something inside of us, we don't quite believe it because there's always that hitch inside of us that says, yeah, but if you really saw, 
I'm not sure you really love me because if you really saw X, Y, and Z, I'm not sure that would be the case. But honor, what is honor? Honor is just way more than flattery. It's more than just public. It's more more than just saying nice things about each other. When we honor each other, what that is, is we're affirming who we are in Christ. I'm able to see you based on how Christ sees you, and I'm able to um, help see how God wired you, how he uniquely made you. And, and as I affirm that and as I encourage that, what happens is I'm actually able to uh, receive everything that God's deposited in you as a strength of my own. That's the power of honor. Jesus says it like this. Uh, a prophet received as a prophet, uh, someone who receives a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Um, the man who receives a, a righteous man as a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward, and so on and so forth. When we honor each other based on who we are in Christ, then, we, then we're able to reap the benefits as well, because your strength, as I honor that, I'm acknowledging what God's doing in that, and as I do that, there's a reward in that, and we grow stronger together. Do you see how that works? And that's why I've been so blessed even, I mean, it's been crazy. I've been here 10 years now, which is nuts. Um, 10 years goes by so fast. And, uh, but it's funny, I look back at photos 10 years ago. Man, I, I don't know why anybody would give that kid a chance. I just had, I had this funny, <laughs> oh, some of you feel sympathy for me making fun of myself. Um, I appreciate that. That really made me feel better. Um, I, I look at pictures and think, man, what, why would you ever let that guy speak or do anything or lead? Or, you know, I had this, this hair. My mother-in-law, after, I, after we got married, Megan tells me that her mom used to call me a little Dutch boy. And I don't know why. I don't know what that means, if that means anything to you guys. But um, it's funny how far the last 10 years has come. Because when I got here, um, I came under a leadership that uh, what Walt modeled here was, this, was relationships of trust and safety. And so he wasn't afraid to look at me and say, hey, this is what I see God doing in you, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And as I've been able to grow into who I am, I've been able to give that as a gift back to the people in my life that have trusted that. And the same applies to you. And that's, that's why I love this staff. I love this leadership. Some people look in sometimes and say, how does this even work for you guys? Some of you seem so different from each other. You guys kind of seem like you're into different things sometimes, and honestly, we like it like that. Because as we honor each other and we recognize the gifts and the strengths within each other, there's something about that we all get better because of it. It's a beautiful thing. And, and that's why it is funny sometimes for some of us, we get comments, some of us on the leadership team, we get comments from different people that we minister to. And um, I, I get it, I understand it, but um, essentially we hear things like, hey, man, I just want to know, I really, I really trust you. I'm not really quite sure about the other guys or the other, other people around here. I really trust you, and you know, I connect with you. I receive from you. I'm not sure I can really, I don't really get much from the others, those types of things. And you know, as we've kind of grown in covenant here, though, I, I, I look back, and I'm thinking, man, really? I mean, really? Nothing from anybody else but like one or two people. You can really only trust like one or two people. And honestly, that tells me way more about this, this person than it does all the people that are saying they can't trust. It tells me that you, you've only allowed yourself to trust somebody that probably looks like you or talks like you or has the same personality as you, those types of things. But when we learn to honor each other, even though we're different, 
we receive the rewards of each other. I get to receive everything God's deposited into Walt. When the Bible talks about honor your mother and father, that's not just about being nice to them. I want to receive everything the Lord has given to my mom and my dad, and I want my son to do the same for me. There's something about honor here that we have to get, that we have to lean into, because this is the body of Christ. No, we are not built, we're not, we're not from the same part of the body. Yeah, we all have our little quirks. Yeah, we all say things just a little bit differently. And, 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 and we emphasize different things. And we're kind of, you know, you get with some of us and we'll geek out on different things of the scripture, the Bible. And it's just kind of this thing. But such is the body of Christ. That's why he's brought us together. Yeah? We've got to get that. In this family, we have to get this. And I'm not talking about uniformity here. I'm not talking about perfect agreement on everything. I'm not talking about those things. Now I'm talking about no conflict. Conflict is good because it shows that we're passionate about what we believe in. What I'm talking about is unity and deep relationships that come through trust, safety, and honor. And these are the cultures that we are determined to protect here. We'll die on that hill here. We're going to die on that hill. We're going to take a bullet for that because we believe that as we grow together, as the Lord takes us deeper, then the revelation that he gives us, it, it finds a fertile soil. Love is a fertile soil. Loving relationships are a fertile soil for God to do new things. That's about all I have to say this morning because I'm out of time. So let's stand together. Oh, it's so good to be a part of this family. You guys love the body of Christ or what? Is this, am I? Okay, good. Let's do this. Take the hand of the person next to you. Now, I know you may not know this person. Um, you, might, you might not have a deep relationship with this person. That's fine. But what we're going to do is we're going to pray for each other. And what I want to pray is this, that we're the type of people um, that can learn to trust and learn to be trusted. We're the type of people that can be safe and provide safety. We're the type of people that can honor those around us and show honor. And we're asking God to take that deep in the lives of the people around us. So God, I thank you for this morning. We thank you for your body and for your bride here. I thank you uh, that God, as, as we learn these things, and as we steward these things, as we steward a culture here, God, you're doing something new. You're doing something that we haven't seen for some time. And God, I thank you that that is so glorifying to you to see your body come together, loving each other deeply, deeply committed to each other, deeply in covenant with each other, God. I thank you that as we do that, that you are so glorified, God, that you're exalted. I pray that these words will not just land on the top of the soil, God, but they would find, uh, the seeds would fall deep into the soil to be nurtured and to grow up and, and bear fruit in due time, God. I thank you that this is something that we can't do on our own, God, but it's something that has to be a work of your spirit here. And God, I just pray that as we go close to you, God, as we move closer to you, God, that that provides a platform for safety, God, where we can be safe and open and honest and believe the best and be honoring and trusting with each other, Lord God. We thank you to do these things. I pray your blessing over this body. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.